Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. Long before the convenience of electricity, people turned to fire to light their homes. But it was the simplicity of this lighting source that caused one of Quincy's earliest tragedies to occur. That coming up next. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Welcome back to Wild Quincy. And Travis, the reason I'm saying welcome back is because it's been a month since we've uh, had a regular episode. Ghosts. Spirits. Ghosts. I'm exhausted, Chris. (laughs) We've been talking about so many ghosts. I'm seeing ghosts in my sleep. Are we done? Are we done? Is it over? I think so. I think okay. it's over. So, yeah, no, it, it is over. We appreciate everybody uh, giving, uh, chiming in and letting us know what their thoughts were. We really had a lot of fun. Again, thanks Washington Theater, Jim Lawrence, those guys out there for uh, letting us go explore during this uh, first wild October that we had. And now we're back to the grind again as we head into November and we're going to have a great subject coming up in just a few minutes. But of course, we got to get through all the uh, necessary items. And of course, it's been a month since we've talked about some things. And first thing we've got to mention, Travis, is our new Patreon members. Absolutely. Let's release that garden hose that we've kinked in the corner. Um, We have two. (laughs) Spraying everywhere. That's right. Watch out, kids. New wild things to add to the party on our Patreon side. Welcome, Michael Henson. Long overdue. He came in early while right in the midst of uh, Wild October. He joined us at the $5 medium Jeff special level. Thank you so much, Michael. And then Wendy Warren, friend from ancient past in early paranormal investigations, came aboard the Patreon Wild Thing train at $8 Kelly salad bar level. So we really appreciate that. She actually... uh, posted a photo to somewhere on our Facebook page of the investigation of me from the investigation in the Washington theater from 10 years ago, I think. Wow. And boy, did my hair go gray. It's nothing like (laughs) a 10 year old photo to really slap you in the face and how old you've gotten. So. Thank you. That was a lovely memory, Wendy. We were just having a conversation about uh, hair color Boy. changing. Uh, yeah. It's one so. thing to think about. It. It's another thing to really see how true it is. Chris, it what is. else we got going on? We got other stuff, don't we? We do. Uh, first of all, we just got done, too. Again, thanks to our new Patreon members. And uh, thanks to those current Patreon members that joined us for our fall outing in our second annual Wild Quincy golf outing is as we is went. It, it's twice a year, technically. Or is, is this the second one a year? Is it annual? I anymore? guess it'd be a. Um, I don't know. Um, I, well, it's second. It's it's our. I, you know, I thought about that <laughs> because our first annual was in like June. Yeah, and then we our our yeah our years work differently in Wild Quincy. So we're we're on season. Years. We're two years for every normal year. It's it's yeah the, the moon thing. I really was thinking our by annual it meant by seasonal annual. So we're season in season an, two. Sanual. 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 I like it. The f- first and second Sanual. <laughs> we did go out and enjoy the uh, Scotty's Fun Place, and uh, congratulations to Amanda Van Ness for picking up not only the lowest score trophy but also the most hole in ones. It was pretty cool, Travis because we had to have ourselves a putt-off at the end to see who was going to get the the most hole-in-one trophy. It was exciting. It was a nail-biter. She dominated the games. It was impressive. Laser focus, lightning reflexes. It was amazing, Chris. And I will give a a shout-out real quick to our uh, wild thing, Kevin. His son, Colin, Colin, was there, and and, and I... 
I don't know if uh, when he he got a hole in one, so he was part of the the challenge, and it was funny because I think he probably would have shot it shorter if he had a chip, uh, had actual like a, a you know. If he had uh, a driver, a- it would have gone shorter, Chris. He, he <laughs> launched that puppy. That ball went flying about twenty feet past the into three holes over, and that kind of secured it for Amanda. I will add that yours truly did have a hole in one and did putt, and it horribly bounced back behind me, Chris. So I was completely out of <laughs> he the went running. negative. Yes, he went. Negative. Uh, he went way forward i went way backwards she she could have just tapped it three inches and still won but she got pretty close so it was a great a great night out yeah it was a real fun night and then of course we did the sky watching we'll talk more about that in our patreon but uh, we saw some shooting stars was also cool because uh the aurora borealis was supposed to be happening so we were kind of keeping an eye on that but it never really materialized as most of you guys know but a great night out there and if you want to join us for our next one for season three for our next some annual events uh, you can do that uh, by becoming a Patreon member. Fun fact, Chris, I just regained a feeling in my pinky toe uh, <laughs> today from that chilly, chilly night. It was a good time, It was though. was a little chilly. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, listeners, too, by the way, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about, I, I think you got a shout-out to uh, one of our listeners for giving us something. Yes, listener Kim. Thank you so much. You, she donated to us a 2018 Quincy High School alumni directory, which is just a whopping, I mean, it's a thick book. Chris has all kinds of names of people that graduated part of the alumni also has some interesting historical tidbits on uh, Quincy High School so that will surely be a fun little reference tool going forward and we can't thank you enough for thinking about us and uh, appreciate it definitely do and uh, we appreciate everybody listening in by the way we uh, just hit a milestone in our listener mark so we have a ton of listeners uh, checking in with us for every one of our episodes and we uh, definitely appreciate that and tell your friends share it on Facebook let everybody know uh, that we are here because we've got a lot of subjects coming up in the this week and, and for weeks to come. So be looking for that. Travis, we'll have some more information coming up at the end of the show, but I think it's time to get to the question of the day. And I said to you today, Travis, I'm going to give you the honors of giving that question. So whenever you're ready. Okay, Chris, buckle up. Here we go. I don't know how the record stands, but we're going to dive back. I'm in undefeated. Here. Well, we'll, we'll, I don't have any facts to dispute that, so we'll roll with it, and hopefully someone corrects us. Question of the day, Chris. During Prohibition, what kind of establishments popped up to help fill the void caused by the lack of bars slash saloons? Ooh. So we have four choices. A, coffee slash tea shops. B, soda parlor or soda shops. C, Bingo halls or D secondhand bookstores. Again, during Prohibition, what kind of establishments popped up to help fill the void caused by the lack of bars and saloons? So think about that a little bit, Chris, and we'll revisit that near the end of the show. That is a great question. I I have some thoughts, but I may be way off, so I'll I'll I'm be curious to hear that at the end of this episode. But coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking about something a lot of people don't know about and something happened in the 1800s right here in the Quincy area. It's the Pinkman Hall incident. It's coming up next here on Wild Quincy. what you missed on the latest after hours episode of wild quincy what a boo bear is is it's pretty much just a teddy bear and it has like emf sensors temperature sensors um, is this, was there like a child ghost hunting market this was going after or, I mean? <laughs> 
I'll tell you. Are we sitting on a gold mine? You're going after kids with the ghost hunting? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Timmy, there's demonic properties in this room. Can you go in there and and holler for your mommy and daddy? I just want to see what happens. Go ahead, Timmy. You're fine. It's fine. It'll probably be fine. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to patreon.com slash wildquincy. For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. Hey guys, this is Carrie in Fort Worth, Texas, listening to my new favorite podcast, Wild Quincy. Thanks to Chris and Travis for bringing me a little bit of Illinois every week. Now back to the show. Thanks, Carrie, for that great return liner. Carrie, a uh, former, uh, what do we want to say, a a former uh, fellow student of ours back in grade school. That's right. Payson Indians. Go Payson. So thanks, Carrie. I think she's in uh, Texas now. Wow, Texas. Yeah, but she uh, loves listening to Wild Quincy here as we talk about her hometown. And you can also send in your return liners as well, Travis. I know you have that phone number sitting right in front of you. What is it? It happens to be 612-666. Nine four five three. That's six one two six 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 nine four five three. Wild if you're freaky is a nine four five three. Yeah, give us a return liner. Have a chance of winning a T-shirt. As we'll still be giving away the T-shirt at the end of the season to our best return liner that we get. But Travis, it is time to dig into this week's subject, and we're going to be talking about an incident that happened in 1860. Going way back. A few years, just a couple years. Uh, Travis, before we got into this, you have done a lot of research in history. Have you ever heard of Pinkman Hall prior to this? God's honest truth, Chris, I know absolutely nothing about this other than the few little article snippets he sent me to post later. So I am a blank slate, man. I'm curious to hear about this. (laughs) Well, we brought this up in our Patreon outing, too, and uh, a few people were saying the exact same thing. Nobody ever really heard about this. But really, if you look at kind of how Quincy was in, in its history, when you go back to 1865, this was probably one of the biggest tragedies that happened in the Quincy area prior to that time period. Of course, afterwards, you had St. Francis School Fire. You 1899, had, yeah, just it, but still, that was a good 30 years later. So, yeah. This a was, lot of big fires, uh, things like that. So, I mean, there was a lot of big incidents that happened after this, but leading up to it, there's probably nothing that really can compare. Maybe, you know, a couple of, uh, I think you might have been looking at some outbreaks of some different diseases cholera, in that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but this is something that was specific and uh, truly an accident. So, Travis, we're going to jump in. Let's talk about what exactly this is all about we'll talk about pinkman hall and actually we're going to talk about how it was named it was named after the guy who bought the property his name was nathan pinkman he decided to purchase the land and this is between the north or actually on the north side of main street between third and fourth street okay okay so if you're coming up uh, off the old bridge you're going up the hill you go past the stop sign i think roy bennett furniture is on the left side and then you got a little parking lot and then you have the lincoln douglas apartments yeah this building would have been located about where the parking lot is at in today's world. Okay. 
Gotcha. It was a two-story building. It was finished and completed in 1863. It actually originally was going to be used as a livery for horses, uh, but he quickly decided that you know it was a two-story building. He decided he was going to make the second story into a banquet hall or banquet facility, and uh, this, uh, of course, was a need in the community because there wasn't really much going on. Of course. There was something else big going on in the 1860s in the United States, and that would be the Civil War, as that was going on in this time frame. And one of the needs, and kind of interesting little side note here, Travis, is that halls, in today's world, we think of them as banquet facilities and things like that, but halls back in the 1800s were more used for a wide variety of purposes, This one, which turned into Pinkman Hall, was used for helping soldiers out during the Civil War. Okay, what you would have is if you had a uh, had a group of soldiers coming into town, maybe to stay. This would be the location they would stay at. So a place for lodging while they kind of transferred to different areas. Okay, the hall was uh, dedicated by the Needle Pickets on April first of eighteen sixty three. Needle Pickets. You say exactly. You gave me that inquisitive look it's where my eyebrow is thoroughly raised, hoping you'll elaborate. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna sidetrack just a little bit because I wasn't even aware of this at all. So I had to do some research and came across a great article. We'll have it in our show notes to give you a little more information on what uh, exactly they are. But uh, give you a little quick overview here, Travis. The needle pickets was formed uh, by the request of President Lincoln in 1861 during the Civil War. What it is, is it's a society for women to support the Union War effort. So you had all the men going off to war. Well, the women didn't really have anything going on, So, but they wanted to be supportive, so they created the needle pickets. Yeah, besides, besides raising their families and, you know, the stuff like that. Right. The, easy the, the, stuff. the normal stuff. Yeah, right. They, yeah. So... In May of 1861, more than 100 women came together in Quincy to form to form the society. It sounds so weird. Needle pickets. It sounds very aggressive and violent. Like, I see a needle coming towards yeah. my eye when you say that. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I was, when I first saw needle pickets, I'm like, what the heck does this mean? Well, there's a quote in a newspaper that says, um, from uh, talking about the needle pickets. Okay. And the quote says, they know how to use the needle and had the occasion required so roused were they i am not sure but they could have used the sword so i think what they're trying to say there is that they were so good at using needles and and knitting and and doing that sort of stuff that these guys knew what they were doing so were they chiefly like making uniforms or helping with the wartime efforts and by like some kind of i am so glad you asked that question travis well good because i i'm Yeah, I meant to, sure. And you don't have the notes in front of you, so even better. They had a couple of objectives. The primary objective for this group was, uh, starting out, was just to send supplies to the men uh, from Quincy to wherever they were located at during the war. So, uh, actually, the very first thing they sent off to, they had a bunch of soldiers from Quincy that were in southern Illinois uh, that were camped down there. So, they sent uh, food and 
uh, clothes and, and actually they mentioned specifically this thing called locks and I don't know if you ever heard of this before Travis but locks are these clothing items that soldiers would put around their neck to protect their neck from the sun they called them locks L-O-C-K-S the only locks I've ever had were on top of cream cheese on my bagel and they were little pieces of salmon that are delicious a few of those capers on there oh gosh oh, now we're talking wow. I'm getting hungry Chris so let's keep going for it time- eat my hand arm <laughs> So, uh, but here's the deal. Soon afterwards, they realized that they needed more. They needed to do more than just send clothes and food to their loved ones. So they kind of expanded out. They began assisting families in Quincy who were struggling during the war. So what they ended up doing is not only were they helping the soldiers, but they were helping the families of the soldiers with various things. So they went through and talked about what they did in just the first year. I'll give you the list of some of these things. They did 51 women's and children's dresses, 39 pairs of shoes, 30 shirts, 738 sheets, 457 pillow ticks, which I have no idea what they are, 344 pounds of butter, and 432 chickens were donated to area families in the Quincy area that had soldiers that were away at war. So kind of neat to see yeah, that uh, they, they went beyond and be up there. The needles as they were called, uh, would also do some financial aid for soldiers that were struggling. So there was a couple of examples that uh, there would be maybe a soldier that got injured. He was in the Quincy area. He had no money. He had no way to get back home. And, and unfortunately, I guess at that time, the government wasn't like, yeah. you know, yeah. they weren't like, let's, you know, we, we're going to put you on Air Force One and take you back to uh, your home. They kind of got just straight up abandoned. Air Force One was the name of a horse and buggy back then. <laughs> it's very nice, though. It's very nice. <laughs> Lots of gold. Uh, so what they would do is they would they would raise funds to get those soldiers back home. So that was another thing that they worked on. That's great service, yeah. Then finally, uh, they also became what they refer to as kind of a non-official welcome party for these soldiers who were coming into the Quincy area. So for example, one day the society received word in the morning that a thousand troops from the 52nd Ohio Regiment were coming to Quincy that day. So the whole day they worked tirelessly because they knew they were coming. They got everything ready and. And they, of course, were uh, trying to make sure they had meals and entertainment and all this as well. And where are you going to put these soldiers at? So this is where Pinkman Hall comes into play. So let's fast forward, Travis, two years after the Needles were founded. Now we're at April 1st of 1863. Okay. There was a dedication ceremony that was going on at Pinkman. It was 25 cents to get in. But if you wanted to maybe dance, it was an extra 25 cents. It costs a lot to cut some rugs, Chris. (laughs) Yes, it does. Uh, In 1863, it definitely does. People attending this and other events, they marveled, Travis. They were so amazed by this new thing that was going on in the uh, building. And it was gas-powered light fixtures. Troublesome from our history of of these things. Go on. Say the word fire. Mm. I, I mean, we've 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 have a whole episode on fire. Yes. Uh, so take that as you will. So they really marveled by that. They thought it was really cool to have these gas powered lights. So that was a really cool feature of Pinkman Hall. However, there are some downsides to Pinkman Hall as well. One of those downsides was that, of course, it's 1863. There is no such thing as an air conditioning unit in in any building or anywhere. That's why I never heard of yet at this point in what time. What are we, wizards? What is this strange <laughs> technology you speak of? Go on. It made the hall very warm, especially when you had a lot of people in there. So a lot of people mentioned that it was kind of unpleasant to be in. But it was something else that happened that made it a problem was that when they decided to make this into a hall, they 
somehow, and there's no real reason why, they decided on the east side of the hall to brick in all the windows in the hallway. Or in the hall, I should say. Really? So you couldn't get any airflow because, again, when you're back in that time and you look at old houses, they build those houses to have airflow because you don't have AC units, so you have to create that nice breeze coming in to keep your house cool. Well, they completely cut off one side of the building from any sort of breeze happening, so that's where your warmth uh, comes into play. It was this little detail about these windows being blocked that would be the main culprits in what has become and was one of Quincy's worst tragedies Ooh, to date. A dark cloud is descending over the story, Chris. So we move a few years forward back to uh, talking about uh, that uh, regiment that came in. And uh, on February 11th of 1865, as we mentioned, actually, let me just read this for you. The Quincy Whig Republican reported about 400 of the newly enlisted recruits under the command of Major General Prentice changed their quarters last Saturday evening to Pinkman Hall, where they are now provided with the very best accommodations. The general informed us that he will be putting in some 400 or more before tomorrow night. There was so... There's 400 there. They're adding 400 more. 800 people being kept in this. It does say here, it still goes on with the quote, the boys are thick as three in a bed, and if the weather was a little warmer, would doubtlessly long for a lodge in some vast wilderness or other less crowded locality. That sounds miserable. Wow. A few days later, we go to another newspaper article. This one from the Daily Whig. It was from February 17th. It reports that two soldiers that were staying at Pinkman Hall died while being attended to by the medical staff, but they didn't really explain why they died. But these are the soldiers from Pinkman Hall. You kind of get dead-ended. If it's February 17, 1865, you're like, oh, I wonder what happened to those soldiers. Well, the next day, another story comes out that all of a sudden there's two more deaths that occur hmm. to the soldiers. However, the uh, Whig Republican... Because there's a ton of newspapers in the 1860s. They have a report of a little added detail of what's going on at this time. And I'll read you the quote. It says, last Thursday night, some of the new recruits quartered in the new Pinkman Hall blew out the light without turning off the gas and lay down under the burner to sleep. The next day, two of them, Eastman Patterson of Hancock County and also William Abbott of Canton, Fulton County, died from the effects of inhaling the gas, which has escaped through their carelessness or ignorance. Mr. Patterson was about 30 years old and leaves a wife and three children. Young Abbott was a minor. The remains of both have been sent to their respective friends for interment. So just to recap here. They're turning in for the night. They may have never encountered gaslighting as it's a relatively new technology. You put the flame out like a candle, you think, boom, it lights out. It's done. However, they didn't realize how true lights out would be because that gas is still escaping while they're sleeping and poisoning them, basically, consuming their lungs, killing them, correct? It's exactly right. I mean, when you have this, we can go into a long discussion, and we will in our Patreon episodes more specifically because I found other cases not related to this, but of other issues with this new gas-powered lighting, especially in the Chicago area. There's a really scary incident that occurred. But... This is new to these soldiers. I mean, it's great to have lights, but they don't realize, or maybe they were just weren't thinking that if right. you shut off 
the light but don't shut off the gas or or it could be as simple as when they turn the lights you know they turn it down they think they're shutting it off but they're not shutting it off they're just extinguishing the flame and the gas still remains or it could even be go as extreme as maybe there was something messed up with the system itself and they didn't they thought they had it shut off yeah. and it really wasn't you know so there's a lot of questions again 1865 who knows exactly what could have been the possibility so that at this point we have four deaths resulting from soldiers lodged at Pinkman Hall, correct? Yes. What happens next? We have a fifth death. This one took a little bit of time. So as we mentioned, this uh, was the article about the third or fourth soldier dying happened on February 17th. We don't get another report till March 5th. And it says after three weeks of treatment, an E.S. Rollins of Company E, 148th Regiment, passed away. So that was number five. Mm. According to the Whig, his remains were removed this morning to be uh, with his friends near Mill Creek, this county, for last rites of passage. And again, a lot of these guys are pra- semi, semi-local. semi This guy was just from outside of the Quincy area. He had one that was from Canton, Illinois, and then I think he had another one from Hancock County, Illinois. So these guys are not real far away. These are locals that are they're passing away. So yeah, that was the fifth one. However, there was some light in this tragedy that it was reported that another soldier that was also in the care of the medical facility in Quincy they uh, actually released him. He got well enough that he that he could be released. So that was good news. Uh, so, but unfortunately, we're up to the the death toll of number five. Does it seem like this is all coming from the the lighting? Nobody's looking into this, or it's just inter- It's interesting that there's not proactively, especially if they mentioned it in the article. You think like, hey. Maybe we should have a chit chat with these guys and tell them not to blow out the light. <laughs> I mean, well, no, no, Travis, you, you're a little bit, you're mistaken. Okay, what, all these deaths me. are happening from one night. Oh, so it's a it's residual just taking effect. a while. Okay, the effects are yeah. long term setting. Okay, let's see what you're yeah. saying. It's all happening from that first night. I believe it was on the February 11th, or actually be February 10th evening that this happened. Did they just lodge one night or multiple nights, from what you understand? Is it not clear? It sounds like it was quite a few nights, because it sounds like they were there at least maybe four or five days. Okay. But the reporting is not very well done with this. It's... Iffy way back then. Yeah, and if you've ever looked at an 1860s newspaper, it's not what you expect. It's literally seven columns across and it's straight words i mean there's no pictures i mean which whatever but it's really hard to read in the 1860s and they weren't very good reporting back going on back in the 1860s these deaths appear to be residually happening from that initial exposure on the first night from one maybe they remedy the situation but the residual lasting effects of that inhalation of gas may be long-term showing itself over time and you got to think, too, in which a couple things. Well, let me finish this first. We'll go back to that. Uh, so that was death number five. And, and this is where the newspapers get real sketchy. We don't have any more information past this. However, we do know that seven more died afterwards due to this incident. So our total loss of casualties from this incident with these light fixtures ended up being 12 who perished. God. From Pinkman Hall. But I do want to go back. Here's the thing. Think about this. We know that on the first night there was 400 soldiers that were in Pinkman Hall. And out of the 400, 12 of them died. It could have been a lot, lot worse. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know how it's not. I would assume that maybe... 
these 12 soldiers were really close to maybe a specific light fixture that was remaining open. Yeah, that would stand to reason, I think. More concentrated uh, emittance of the, the gas, potentially. A lot of question marks. Unfortunately, not a lot of answers. But again, this is probably one of those instances where not many people know about it. I mean, you... Th- there's well, I mean, I guess you, let's go back St. Francis uh, School. That was we lost twelve children in that Correct. one too. But to have twelve casualties from an accident in the Quincy area before St. Francis School, I mean, that you never hear of any. But this is one of those instances. Yeah, I mean, twelve kids is going to trump in the headlines. You know, sure. casualties of soldiers. I think, but yeah, still, this is nothing to you know, to dismiss is, you know, this seems completely preventable. It's just a horrific misunderstanding. It sounds like of that new technology. And, uh, wow, that's rough. Give you a couple final notes here. Uh, after this incident happened, I cannot find much information out on what exactly happened to Pinkman hall. We've talked about this, I think in our last regular episode, the Sanborn maps, they're yeah. the fire maps. I did go back and look at those. The earliest Quincy Sanborn fire map I can find is 1883. So you're looking at 20 years after uh, Pinkman Hall was built. Now, in that location uh, between 3rd and 4th on Main, there is a building there in 1883, but it was called the Agricultural Implements Building. I don't know. It's a big building, so you can make the assumption that that may have been the original building, but we don't know for sure. And there is a picture, and I'm sure Travis will probably put this in our show notes as well, but there is a picture of what looks to be like a major fire that occurred. So I'm not sure if that happened before it became this agricultural implements place or if it was during that time frame, but it's the picture that we'll have you on our website is literally just one wall that remains. Wow. So it did get lost to fire. The other thing I will mention real quick, and I kind of mentioned this already uh, just a few minutes ago is any fires related to items in the late 1800s. They're always going to be not good. It's never a good, a good, good ending. Most of the time when there's fires, however, gas lights were extremely dangerous back in this time period. And when we get on our Patreon episode, we'll dig into that a little bit more because as I mentioned, there was an incident that happened in Chicago around this same time frame that I was able to locate where it wasn't so much that people were doing something that they shouldn't have been with these gas powered lamps, but it was more so that the company that was supplying the gas shut it off accidentally Wow. And then decided to restart it up. Ooh. And, you know, when that happens, these don't have automatic lighters. So what ended up happening was that when they lit back up, they started just filling the houses with gas. Good Lord. That first spark. Yeah. Just, yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So we'll talk about that coming on our Patreon. And then finally, I do want to mention one other thing. I'm going to give a shout out to Lynn Snyder, Historical Society of Quincy Adams County uh, board member, as well as a volunteer for helping us out because they were the one that did the article for getting our most of our information. So we appreciate that. So thanks to Lynn. Absolutely. I knew nothing of this. I don't think a lot of people do. It's always great to kind of peel back the the folds of history sometimes and discover these stories that have gotten lost in the shuffle. And kudos, again, to the Historical Society for helping enlighten us and sharing that information with you guys as well. So that is a look at Pinkman Hall, and we'll be back with more after this on Wild Quincy. Okay, the rules are simple. Number one, sign here. This line right here on your pledge card. 
Number two, when you're celebrating your prom and graduation, celebrate smart. No drugs, no booze. Easy, huh? This is the best part. The prizes. A signed pledge card means you can win this LeBaron from Coleman Motor Company. And you got a shot at a $100 gift certificate from the sports locker. Maybe even this Fisher CD system from John's Home Center. I told you it was simple. Celebrate smart. That's it. Boy, Travis, a lot to unpack from that. Oh, Where should gosh. we start? I mean, obviously <laughs> you have the legend Corey McCloskey there. The accent, the the black and white weird retro vibe, the amazing Chrysler LeBaron. If you're seeing the video, it's something. <laughs> where where do you unpack the Fisher CD changer? Ugh. Yeah, uh, that is from. Uh, we think it's around the ninety. 90- Three ninety four time period. It was for uh, something I don't think they do anymore. If they do. I haven't paid much attention. But uh, celebration, prom, graduation. Pretty much what you did is you did a pledge card that said, "Hey, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm not going to do all this stuff while I'm going." Uh, during graduation and prom time, and the, you entered in this pledge card, and uh, then what would happen is uh, you had a chance to win those items, and then they would always do this cool thing where on the six o'clock news on WGEM they would uh, draw the winner out live at uh, Coleman, and for some reason, and I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it because maybe I'm just making it up in my head, is that I remember one year that the person they drew out actually got a DUI. <laughs> Ooh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, the thing is, Chris, you had to tell the truth because part of that, if I remember right, was the mood ring would change colors and your hypercolor <laughs> sweatshirt would also change colors if you started to sweat. So it was kind yeah. of a built-in lie detection, if, if memory serves. But anyway, a beautiful ad. Uh, we'll have that on our Facebook page. You'll have to check it out because... Uh, Corey is, like Travis said, in a jean jacket and talking like a New Yorker. It's a great ad. It is funny looking back at what uh, what he did back then, now what he's doing. Why was there a New York accent? Do we know? I don't know. That was probably one of those. I, I could tell you already. Uh, that was probably one of those times where Corey is like, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> I need yeah. to go back and watch that several times. I feel like I've, I've only got part of the homework assignment. I'm trying to figure out if there's something I'm missing here. I don't know. Yeah, maybe someday, maybe we'll get lucky and have Corey on Wild Quincy to talk about his experiences. And uh, yeah, by the way, I think I mentioned this before. Worth mentioning again, go to YouTube, check out Corey McCloskey. Look at the weather forecast where the temperatures are 1,000 degrees in Arizona. Yes, very good. Oh, it's very a beautiful, good. beautifully done on his part. So it's, it makes me laugh every time I watch it. Legendary, legendary. That is a look at our throwback ad. And Travis, I am so excited about this next part that I'm going to let somebody else introduce it. Here we go. And now, it's time for Words of Wisdom from Adams County. Thanks, Bo. (laughs) Yeah, we have a new segment after uh, what we went through with our Wild October, where uh, I mentioned this before, actually. I have this book in front of me, Travis, called Folklore from Adams County, Illinois. It's a doozy. It it is a doozy, and it's a big book. It has over... 1700 different wisdoms and uh informational stuff from the forefathers of the quincy area dating back to around the early 1900s so you know it's all true exactly and and it's all legit so don't bother looking this up it's real it's It's real just take Uh, our word for it 
Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We'll have a post on our Facebook page coming up soon that uh, we want you guys to give us a number between like one and I'll give you the exact exacts later on. It's usually like between one and like 17,000. And then what we'll do is uh, as we go along in future episodes, we're going to pick uh, one of your guys's uh, names out of the hat and we will uh, grab and use the number that you choose. But since we haven't got that set up yet, Travis... Uh, actually, it's for around 11,000. I was going to say, I was looking on Amazon for 11,000-sided dice. I had no luck whatsoever. <laughs> so we're going to have to result to you guys to help us pick a number. But in absence of that, I'm guessing you're looking for a number, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to let you be the person that picks the first number out. And then what I'll do is I'll tell you what section it is, and then I'll tell you what it says. So give me a number between 1 and 10,949. 10,942. Oh, wow. You're going right to the end. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's so sandwich this. We'll that section is rhymed riddles. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate oh, it. Boy, this is going to be fun. Uh, it's, what was it again? 10,942. All right. 10,942. Here we go. Round as a hop, deer as a cup, all the king's horses couldn't pull it up. <laughs> okay, there it is. Whatever that, was, that is. Oh, we got a few minutes extra here. Let's let's test drive this a little bit better. Give me a different number. Uh, three. Oh, come on! Give me a better number than that. Uh, three thousand. You want three thousand? Three thousand. Yes. Three thousand. All right. Um. So three thousand is in the section of. What the heck's wrong with three? What do you got against three, Chris? Um, you're you're going a party. You, you hate crowds. Three's you're a going, crowd. You're going bookend here. I don't like it. Hair combing and combs. Oh, this is the section. This is what the section's called. Okay, it's for three thousand. All right. Yeah, number three thousand is this: to drop combings while you comb your hair in the morning will cause bad luck. Drop combing. What does that mean? Your, your comb? It, is that the co- like the bristles in the comb? What's coming out of your hair? <laughs> it's the 1860s. I mean, God only knows. Um, Combs were around in the 1800s. Ooh, uh, think yeah. about the stuff that would end up in people's brushes and combs back then. Oh, boy. Man. Especially That's since gross. you didn't take showers more than like, what, yeah. once every month or something? Yeah. There's things breathing. Yeah, so that, folks, is... Words of Wisdom from Adams County. Wash those combs, kids. So there you go. Thanks, Bo. Appreciate that. We had Bo sneak in there and do that. So, Travis, uh, before we go, you I got have something questions. Else. I have lots of questions. What do you have? Oh, uh, nothing. What do you got? Uh, the answer to the question of the day, perhaps. Oh, well played. Well played. I Give us that question again. During Prohibition, what kind of establishments popped up to help fill the void caused by the lack of bars and saloons? And the answers we have four to choose from. A. Coffee and tea shops. B. Soda parlor. C. Bingo halls, or D, second-hand bookstores. What do you think, Chris? I was really surprised, honestly. I thought one of the answers was going to be... Was this Prohibition? This was, yeah, during Prohibition. Mm-hmm. I was I was really expecting one of the answers to be like a casino hall because of what's going on in today's world. Right. <laughs> you know, with the, the yes, slot machines. The slot machine syndrome, yes. Yeah. I'm going to take a guess. I, I, I don't like the first one. I think it was Soda Parlor, right? Um, uh, a is coffee and tea shops. Coffee. B I didn't is like Soda that one. Parlor. C is bingo. D is secondhand bookstores. I don't like bookstores. I, I'm going to go with C. I'm going to go with C. 
You're going with bingo halls. Bingo halls. Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Incorrect, I'm afraid. The correct answer is soda parlors. A lot of bars and saloons were already kind of set up to keep serving Mm. drinks. And so a lot of uh, beer manufacturers and other breweries switched to something called near beer and also different flavored beverages. People just wanted something cold, a cold, refreshing drink. Soda kind of checked the box. You might be wondering... What does that have to do with the next episode? Yeah. It so happens that a woman named Edna Brown was a, uh, the first woman in Adams County to be accused of murder after a fight with her husband escalated. Now, this fight took place near the soda parlor they operated on the riverfront, and a struggle occurred between the two, leaving the husband dead with a gunshot wound. So Edna was quite a character in Quincy, had a lot of run-ins, had about four husbands, lots to talk about. Wild Quincy might as well be her autobiography title, Chris. <laughs> uh, lots to talk about. We're going to dive in deep. It's, boy, she, she could, uh, she, it's, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. That's all I'm going to say. You'll see. Don't miss it. Sounds it. like a great episode that coming up in two weeks we got our patreon episode coming up next week's for you wild things but uh, before we wrap things up travis are we missing anything if you want to get in on the 12 cd collection of the wild quincy season one for 24.99 you can get a 12 cd collection in a nice uh, wild quincy labeled cd case give this to the less tech savvy members of your family share the love you can keep it in your car give it to grandpa he likes history doesn't want to learn how to do podcasting i can understand that we're here to let the masses enjoy what we're producing in any way we can so that was our offer to those non-tech savvy people well said my friend yeah check that out it is on our facebook page you can pre-order those now have those ready for you for christmas at the stocking stuffer so enjoy those we'll be back next week with our patreon episodes mentioned and then we'll be back to talk about edna brown on the next episode for travis hoffman i'm chris ketters you've been listening to wild quincy we'll catch you guys next time take care everybody Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.